Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, episode number 92, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects, and you can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, Lutheran John is not joining us, it seems, at least as of right now, but in person, uh, as usual... It's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church, Greer, South Carolina, MVP of the National <laughs> Preaching League, and huh. newly dubbed Mr. Pastor by your dad, Stanfield. On the All, the seven, all days seven Days Podcast. Yep, yep. Um, so, church this week, still not in person. We got to fix that. Uh, this is getting old. I'm hoping um, in the next couple of weeks. Mm, Maybe. Mm-hmm. Don't we'll get see. My- don't get my hopes up right here on the air. Um, but we started a new series. We did. Started teaching through uh, James. So all about how we're justified by works, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you better get your junk in order. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to hell. Um, Turn or burn. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess we would be due for one of those pretty soon, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what was it? The first... Several uh, first verses, twelve verses. First twelve. Count it all joy. Uh, so basically, like rooting everything in joy and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, I think one of the mistakes people make with James is that they think that James wrote that letter just to make unsaved or make saved people feel unsaved uh, or question our salvation. And I don't think. I mean, some people might disagree with me on this, but I don't think James' primary emphasis is to talk about the eternal salvation when mm-hmm. he brings raises the question about faith and works or faith that is dead versus faith that works i think that i think that's his main point is that right the faith that god gives us is not a dead faith it's a faith that works it works in suffering of all kinds mm-hmm. and that's really the first 12 to 18 verses Yep. And then the rest of the letter really is more about specific types of suffering because he's writing to people that are suffering. The 12 tribes of the dispersion, they've been scattered abroad. Um, and I think it's a, it's a very timely study for us because the people James is writing to, they've had their whole lives disrupted just like we mm-hmm. have. They are uh, maybe have lost their jobs they they've been separated from friends and family they feel isolated they feel alone and james is saying look the faith that god has given you it's not a dead faith it's a faith that works and it works in suffering to allow you to count it all joy um to not be not succumb to temptation to sin but to trust god for wisdom to use the resources that he is providing so that we have joy in suffering. So I think it's a it's a really good study for us right now and um, it seemed to got a lot of great response from this past week. So Yeah. Um, now you had and I can't parrot it right now. We're recording much later in the week than we normally do, so it's mm-hmm. not as fresh on my mind and all that good stuff, but uh, verses 5 through 8 if any of you of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all without reproach uh but then on down uh sorry 
I'm losing my spot. Uh, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by wind. He's double-minded, uh, and he shouldn't suppose that he'll receive anything from God. Where uh, that that's kind of abused in some word of faith circles of mm-hmm. you have to believe it. Dead gummit, you have to believe that you're going to get the thing that you're praying for, or you're not going to get it. Right. Um, so, how do we actually approach that one and not abuse that? Well, I, I don't think that anywhere in Scripture do we read that the presence of faith means the absence of questions or uncertainty, or even a conscious awareness of our weakness at times in believing. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, on Sunday I talked about the the story in Mark chapter nine where Jesus encounters a, a father and a young boy, and the, fa- and the boy has been tormented by a spirit. He becomes rigid, he's mute, he foams at the mouth, the, the spirit throws him into the fire, throws him down, and um, Jesus comes up on the scene, and the disciples had tried to cast the demon out. Right. Um, and they were unable to, and Jesus looks at him and says, oh, faithless generation." Which is interesting to me because prior to that, back in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had sent out the disciples to do ministry in his name, and Mm -hmm. Mark tells us that they had cast out many demons. Right. So I don't think their being faithless means that they doubted whether or not they could cast out the demons. In fact, Mm -hmm. I think they were a little bit overconfident. Right. They probably thought, oh, we got this. Yep. And then Jesus has this interaction with the boy's father, and the, the, the boy's father says, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. And then the famous line, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So I think that the faith in its essence is dependence. It's not, it's not self-convincing talk right. and bravado. Uh, it's, 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 it's there's, de- no, there's no puffing out your chest. No. You, you can literally ask God for wisdom in faith by saying, Lord, I trust you, but help me trust you more because this right. circumstance has got me baffled. I don't I don't think that's double-minded. Double-minded people waffle back and forth between mm-hmm. childlike dependence and taking matters into their own hands. I right. think that's what James point Wh- is. Which we can all be at some point or another in our lives. That's right. Uh, go ahead and grab your earbuds. Uh, John's joining us. John has <laughs> entered the room. In the middle of, in the middle yeah, of us classic. recording. So welcome, welcome uh, to the recording session, John. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, you know, it's uh, one thing I found particularly difficult during uh, uh, during this. I mean, work from home in in and of itself, when you have have younger children, is 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 fairly difficult, anyways. Uh, but you know, last week I, I missed the episode uh, recording session uh, unknowingly. I. Uh, I, I, I forgot about it. And, and what, I've, what I've realized is it's become really difficult to keep track of everything when I'm working from home because it's not like I get that moment to shift gears. Right. You know, like where I'm in, I'm in work mode or, you know, uh, you know, what's ironic is, uh, you know, we often record on Monday mornings and Monday mornings I would be my, my work from home time uh, so that I could make sure to make the, uh, the recording session. And so there is some irony there that what used to be work from home so that I could, in fact, uh, make sure I made uh, the recording is, it, it, you know, is now becoming a barrier 
to that because it's so gosh darn hard <laughs> to keep my head screwed on straight Oops. when I'm trying to keep track of everything. So there's my oh, yeah. uh, there's my my two minute uh, disclaimer. But yeah, this is uh, this is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian <laughs> Christian from Lincoln, Nebraska. I still have to get it in. And Westminster oh, Effects artist. What oh, man? I even forgot about Westminster Effects artist. Augsburgian Christian, sexy boat captain, what have you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Grumpy church nerd. Yeah. Et often, often absent-minded. Yeah, so many things. <laughs> so many things. So many things. All right, Inquisition, shall we? Yeah, we Do shall. It. The chief of the World Health Organization said there is a chronic shortage of gowns, masks, and gloves amid the novel coronavirus spreading across borders also said that he will work to find a solution. The world is facing chronic shortage of personal protective equipment. Thankfully, my home state of South Carolina has not been overrun by the COVID-19 pandemic, but there are still hot spots across the country in places like New Orleans, New York, and Detroit. That's where Westminster effects and actually my mom come in. My mom and some friends of hers in Mississippi have taken up sewing cloth masks in order to supplement the surgical grade mask uh, used by doctors and nurses in an effort to help them not plow through their personal protective equipment supply. They've shipped out over a thousand totally free of charge, but there are still expenses involved like the fabric, elastic, and shipping costs. To help with that effort, I'm launching a pre-order for a special edition overdrive called The Physician which is an homage to Martin Lloyd-Jones. I have all the artwork and PCBs in production, but I'll put a link in the description to its sonic ancestor, the Landgraf Dynamic Overdrive, which is renowned in the boutique effects world. I'm making 10 of these pedals, and while I'm obviously open to making this a normal Westminster model, all of the profits for these 10 pedals will go toward equipping doctors and nurses who are experiencing PPE shortages. All I'll get back is my material cost. Like I said, 100% of the profits are going to help sew masks. So hit the link in the description to pre-order the physician and help equip others while you equip yourself. All right, first question from Ryan Eigel. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, has another member of your worship team insisted on using a piece of gear, guitar, pedals, amp, whatever, that drives you crazy because it's completely out of place or is just <laughs> annoying sound-wise? Did you talk them out of using it and how? We've got this guy in our band that uses all these pedals with dead theologians on them. <laughs> <laughs> and Joel Osteen and I i don't know what all. And I just don't even know. He, 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 built, idiot, he builds them himself and <laughs> we, a, we just kind of have to deal with it. <laughs> you ever had anything, John? Uh, yeah. Um, so... We, uh, you know, as, as many of our listeners will know, um, we do have house amps uh, at, at the church um, that uh, are not only there for use, but kind of sort of encouraged, um, mostly because the mics are set for that amp inside the isolation cabinets. Um, the, master, the master volumes on the amps where applicable 
are set for the gain staging on the sound console. Like there are mm-hmm. you know, distinct reasons. And with the exceptions of Fender versus Vox, and then the, then the worship leader's amp is is pretty much a Laney, which is a weird choice. It's a monoprice amp because that's mostly a uh, an auxiliary guitar uh, position. Uh, sure, mostly plays acoustic. So you know, at least we we've got it's, to, it's that it's that obscure monoprice, really cheap amp. Yeah, or it's and, still a tube amp, and super what, cheap, but it's really just a repackaged Laney. Yeah, it's a Laney like. Uh, Cub 12. I think if you if you even open up the circuit board, it has stamped on it copyright Laney 2000 whatever, um, which is <laughs> which is pretty unique. Um, I mean, all the same factories for the most part. But um, right, every now and then. See, the thing is, is that between myself and then Lars uh, Gallagher, our, our sound engineer, uh, who we've had on the program before, uh, we're really the two that that care. Um, the most and we don't really have a problem if someone wants to bring something else in if they want to bring in their own their own amp that's okay we just ask that they use the the isolation uh um, speakers uh like you do in your demo videos um and uh or even if they want to run direct that's that's perfectly fine uh but the biggest annoyance is that they show up to rehearsal at call time and expect to make Mm -hmm. that change Oh yeah. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. our call time is six thirty. You have fifteen minutes to get your get your ducks in a row, and then we pray and uh, and do kind of a, um, a briefing at six forty five, and uh, and then we shoot for uh, for first song downbeat at right around seven at the latest, um, and the probably the biggest frustration is when someone comes in. And uh, now we don't have very, I mean, we don't have a, a huge group uh, or a huge pool of, of musicians, but when someone brings something in and wants to go direct at the last minute or say, oh, I brought my amp this time and plugs it in and, you know, we have five minutes really before our pre-scheduled downbeat. I think that's probably the most annoying thing. Um, I mean, we've had some cases where the individual gear choices have just been poor, um, like, uh, there's been there's been several guitars that have just driven me up the wall. Um, both Gretches actually, and I don't have a problem <laughs> against Gretches. I, I I I like them quite a bit, and used to have one myself before I, I gifted it to a friend. Um, but there's a certain knowledge of how to coax the 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 right tone out of an instrument or a piece of gear that even mm-hmm. if you're a good player, uh, seems to be a more advanced level than than many hobbyist players are at and like oh this sounds good to me you know maybe based upon you know what other music they listen to their their influences but they're not making decisions that serve the song and so uh some of these instruments you know some of these gretches you know they'll have um a really thin p90 uh you know in the bridge or something and and yeah, which which right. is fine if it fits in the mix and in in whatever and but if you do that and you boost the treble on on some sort of drive pedal I mean it could just really it can sound like an ice pick in you your know, skull yeah yeah exactly and so it's not so much the individual pieces of gear because I'm very much a proponent of not only the whole tone is in the fingers man thing um, but that if you know what you're doing you can you can coax something reasonable out of almost anything 
Um, yeah. Uh, I have actually been the guy. I wasn't intentionally annoying. I just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> we're at my church before res. When I first started playing guitar at all in church, uh, all I had was a 100 watt half stack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that buddy. was literally all I had for an amp. And uh, but the room, the room was big, and the backstage area was pretty enormous. So we just pointed it toward the back wall, and it was fine. And, uh, and the sound guy who did have a lot of experience with the P-dubs guitar was like, hey, let me help you with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so we came in one night, EQ'd it all nice, and he mm. kind of showed me what was up. And it's like, oh, well, that worked out. Mm. Preparation, right? And, and that's, I think that's the, probably the, the, the number one thing. Most of our musicians are actually very cognizant of, uh, um, mm-hmm. of at least. Right gear choices not always necessarily like what settings to use like um recording easter um the guy one of the guys that filled in our aux guitar position um who's one of our multi-instrumentalists has his uncle's like 1968 so early cbs uh strat uh butterscotch blackguard strat and it's unshielded and so it's very noisy and really noisy oh yeah so what he did the other night he bought a, he ordered a bunch of copper tape from Amazon, waited it for to come in and and shielded it up and followed tutorials and did it the right way because he cared, you know, and that's it's that's awesome. Um if I were to choose an individual like piece of gear like in the in the pedal world, um I would I would actually and this isn't propping up this isn't shameless promotion for Westminster Effects although you can certainly take it that way uh, I'm okay with that <laughs> I think the the two and 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 they're both owned by the same individual um, one is a uh, it, well it's a filter matrix it's an Ottawa um, and <laughs> that 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 it gets used a little too often. Um, and uh, the other is a sim- is the simplifier. Uh, it's the, one of the new direct uh, ampless uh, sort of jobbers. I think they market as a zero watt guitar amplifier. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the uh, the Humboldt thing. Yeah. Now I will say I did not touch it. I had no interaction with it other than what I heard through my ears, <laughs> which is fair enough. Which is um, it, it's. Uh, Post-gain, pre-EQ is what comes to my ears. And whatever this individual was doing with it was really, really They, they should not have done that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, as with, as with everything, um, you get a new piece of gear, you're excited to, to use it right away. Uh, and I think we're all guilty of this in some cases, uh, putting it into use before actually knowing how to use it. Yep. Done that. Done that plenty of times. Okay, so as is tradition, Brian, Brian Morris. Morris. <laughs> what is the most illegal or bizarre thing you've ever seen on church happen on church property by a member of leadership? <laughs> uh, <laughs> illegal. Yeah, or bizarre. And I I think I think for purposes of the podcast, we can even leave out the member of leadership thing. Um at least to expand our potential for stories. Yeah. Uh, like that one time where we showed up for church and the back wall of the church had been graffitied with a pentagram and a 666. And yeah. 
some uh, yeah. some kind of obscenity and good grief yeah and we were just like really by by someone who had attended yes oh, at least man. well did they ever did that person ever claim it or yeah no i remember um it was a it was a young girl right and she had come to student ministry mm-hmm. and it, like I, I don't know it seems like she got invited by somebody and she seemed to interact with you know keith and carrie pretty mm-hmm. well uh, our you know our associate pastor who leads the student ministry and um it but she you know she had this weird like kind of a goth look right. about her or whatever and um i think they looked her up on social media, and she had some weird stuff on there. And then she came to church one Sunday. I remember distinctly her sitting in the audience while I was preaching. And she didn't, you know, like do anything, but she just mm-hmm. stood out to me for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. She just sat there kind of blank stare. Uh, and then I, I believe the next that's what's week, called case in the joint. Is. Yep, and then the next the next week we we showed up and she had graffitied the back wall of the church and then uh, she had posted all kinds of nasty stuff on her Facebook page about me and about um, you oh know, she she, she oh, took yeah. shots at you I didn't said, know that said part. that I was the biggest bunch of hogwash whatever I'd taught that day and um, now that's a you know, southern did, insult if I've ever if I've ever heard one. hogwash I'm, I, I'm yeah. pretty hogwash. sure she didn't say hogwash. Yeah. <laughs> But she did. She did claim, like after I think it was at either at that point she had claimed, or some point after that she claimed to be a Satanist on her Facebook page. So that yeah. was pretty bizarre. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I just remember like driving up and be like, "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah. <laughs> I can I can rattle off a few here. Um, so one one time while. Um, this was right after church. I was out standing out in the parking lot just saying hey to people. And some lady that had attended the service that day for the first time, a bit of an older lady, a um, little bit weird attire that she was wearing. I didn't think anything of it. And so I just went up and said, hey. And um, she said to me, she said, you believe in gold dust? Oh, no. And I said, I knew where it was going. Yeah. But I said, uh, well, gold dust does exist <laughs> just like that and she held out her hand she held out her hand and there was just some sort of glittery substance on her hand and she said uh the holy spirit like i don't remember exactly what she said but something like the holy spirit had put <sighs> gold dust on her hand and i just looked back at her and i said no he didn't <laughs> i said no he didn't i said don't let oh, we're not hobby even, lobby bag peeking out of her purse a little bit i was like <laughs> we're not even gonna go there that's not biblical and i'm sorry we're glad you're here but that's no um <laughs> i remember this was at another church um uh, we the uh, illegal here you go I guess it's illegal. I don't know. But the a church that I worked at in Anderson, and this would have been all kind of shady stuff happens yeah, in Anderson. This would have anyway. been circa uh, two thousand and one, maybe somewhere around in there. Uh, it was in a really bad part of town, and it was kind of it was a part time thing for me. So it was in Anderson, <laughs> exactly. I was working at a college in Georgia, and Mary was going back to school, and I I was a part time worship leader at this church, and. We had uh, rival gang members come in during the service, the midweek service, 
and had a meeting in the back of the sanctuary, which we the church was a warehouse. It was an old warehouse yeah. that we had fixed up a little bit. And they came in the back, sat in the back, and um, had a meeting because it was neutral ground, and then they left. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, if I'm honest with you. I was like, this is wild, man. Rival gang members coming in. Now, so. not now, not having a meeting where they start snapping their fingers at each other or anything like that. No, no. They just, they, they, they literally, kind of like it was during, I remember it was during praise and worship. I was on the piano and I saw them come in and you could just tell. I mean, you could just tell. They came in. They sat on the very back row. Um, they sat in two seats and there was a chair between them and they had a conversation and then before the worship time was over they got up and left that's crazy yeah. interesting <laughs> man M- maybe they heard a little something maybe they did i, don't <laughs> know. I mean it's it you know it, it is cool that that the uh that the church at least as an institution as a physical location is uh is held with some sanctity uh, by those yeah. who who otherwise may not v- have that view with a good many places. Uh, so so that's pretty uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know i I don't know if I've seen. Man, I I don't know. I mean one of the one of the kookiest things that that just comes to mind uh, was uh, so after Summer Nam last year, I was driving down to. Uh, uh, Tampa for the uh, LCMS convention, and as soon as I crossed into Florida, I stopped for gas. And this lady comes. O- I wish I would have kept the, the the hogwash, as it were, uh, that she handed to me. Uh, but uh, I prefer the term malarkey, if I, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, she asked me, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, yes, ma'am." Uh, and she was like, you shouldn't believe in Jesus. You should believe in yourself. <laughs> and it, it well, was... That took it, a turn. It was very much like a methamphetamine-fueled uh, mm-hmm. uh, word of faith, uh, new apostolic revolution kind of mishmashed, a lot of drugs going on. Uh, so that was the first thing I thought of in Kooky. <laughs> I just try- She was like, did you know this? Don't like, mix... Yeah, <laughs> don't mix. Well, don't mix. Don't, don't mix do drugs and, and don't do word of faith. Yeah, don't mix heresy don't and do it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no! And she's like, "Well, that's the only way to to get to heaven." I'm like, uh, I, "I could unpack this, uh, man, uh, but but I'm uh, we're, I'm gonna leave." Uh, so that was that. Um, Man, as far as other other weird things, I mean, this isn't weird as necessarily, but uh, before we we called at well, while we were in the call process for our, our current pastor, Pastor Aaron Hutton, um, while he was at his uh, former congregation in uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wrightstown, Wisconsin, I think, a church called Alleluia. Uh, which would be an interesting church name uh, if it were during Lent, because in the Lutheran tradition, you're not supposed to say hallelujah during Lent. I wonder if the church <laughs> that shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, on Good Friday of that year, he, he did a crosswalk, and he carried, uh, he carried a cross on his shoulder throughout Wrightstown, um, like around the perimeter of, of Wrightstown on the bypass uh, for, uh, not for self like piety, uh, or zeal, 
Um, but, uh, and he live streamed the whole thing and it was kind of a, a ongoing, he live streamed the whole thing and did devotions as he was going through the whole time. And it was, it was just a, like a three hour discourse, uh, about, uh, about good Friday and, and the crucifixion event. Um, hmm. so atypical, abnormal, I mean, certainly not illegal or, or kooky, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I went to a Baptist church once. That was kind of kooky. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. Uh, next question, Matt Paragoy. Uh, we've we've talked about uh, various heresies, so I guess this is kind of in line with that. But it's against the grain of what we've had uh, on previous episodes where we've talked about guys apostatizing. But it sounds like someone may be leaving ah, nuttiness yes. and and coming to uh, some form of sanity. Where he asks what we make of Jeremy Riddle's recent Facebook posts, and I had to look this up because I hadn't seen it. Uh, but apparently, he's he now works for Vineyard Church in Anaheim. He is still a Bethel artist, uh, but he's not you know working at Bethel anymore. Um, so. The summary, because there was, I'm not going to read all of that because that's like 2,000 words all all together. Uh, but the summary is, we can't get away from certain truths in scripture, and they're all amazing. They're all good because it's all from God. Uh, you shouldn't leave any of it out. And by the way, don't use the mirror Bible because it's terrible. <laughs> uh, and then he did an Instagram story. It said, the reason I called out the Mirror Bible is because it was done by Universalist, and that's that definitely creeps into stuff. He says, and if these things I'm starting to believe make me reformed, cool. Um, and then he did a second post uh, with him on his face with his guitar, and he said, I've been repenting for basically two years. Let's not be judgmental and throw shade at anybody. Let's do this in love. So, what do we make of that? Uh, I think I'm pretty optimistic about it myself. Sure. You know, uh, just you know, just like the Kanye thing, until I see him take a hard left, like, I'm going to be, you know, all for it. You know, I'm not, I'm going to try and, I, I know <clears throat> I tend naturally to be cynical, but I'm going to try to not be cynical uh, regarding the situation. Sure. Um, you know, I, I also, now I, I enjoyed Jim Rill's work. I, I, uh, I absolutely do. Sure. In fact, uh, one of my, one of my favorite songs that, that we have in our repertoire is, uh, prepare you the way of the Lord that we do every, every Palm Sunday. It's, it's absolutely one of my, one of my favorite, uh, new hymns of the church, so to speak. We've done, uh, his arrangement of joy to the world. Haven't we Bradley? Oh yeah. Yes. Jeremy Riddle. We've, yeah. we've done that one as well. That's, that's good. And, and, you know, when I when I think of all of these songwriters, I mean, especially ones who uh, who come from um, uh, Bethel Redding uh, as their uh, their incubator, in a sense. You know, like that's their label. Uh, you know, that's really where they where they got their their meat hooks sunk in uh, in the CCM world, like Jeremy Riddle, like Chris Koala. Ko- but also like Matt Marr, you know, like all these, uh, all these very, very biblically focused songwriters that, that I absolutely adore their work. And then we see what organizations they're affiliated with. Now, Matt Mars, I, I believe the exception to that, he's more independent than, than the others. Um, but you know, Chris and then, uh, and then Jeremy both having been, 
in the Bethel soup for a long time. I mean, there is that concept of how you worship affects how you believe uh, that right. that we've mentioned multiple times. Uh, but it would seem that, at least in the case of, of those two songwriters, because Koalala has left, uh, has left Bethel as well. Um, and it would seem that, you know, almost digging into the word as part of their creative process that God has used that uh, as I mean, <clears throat> as enlightenment almost uh, as as a way to to bless them with the understanding and wisdom of of the true nature of the gospel, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, if uh, if this conversion uh, of sorts um, you know is accurate, praise be to God. I mean that's fantastic. Um, I don't think I'm going to walk around saying that. Uh, uh, Jeremy Riddle's apostate until I hear otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think it's cool, especially for someone in who has a public persona to, to, to step out, um, and be like, Hey, this is where I've been. This is where I'm going. And I'm a much better person for it. I think it's pretty cool. You know, it's fascinating to me, um, how, the worship that comes out of churches that where the teaching of that church might be questionable or even just flat out wrong. Um, and you could probably scale that. Like you could take Elevation Church and Stephen Furtick mm-hmm. and you could poke a lot of holes in the stuff he teaches. Yep. Um, and and you but you compare that to some of the stuff that Bethel teaches and mm-hmm. we would certainly all agree I think that Bethel is much more extreme and and even outside of the boundaries of evangelical Christianity. Yep. Um, and yet in in both of those places you have songs uh, that are coming out of those ministries that I think are fantastic in terms of the, the mu- obviously the music's very good but the lyrics are. I, I find I can sing them with biblically rooted thinking and feeling, yep. uh, although I might might be able to take some phrases and and assume that those phrases are interpreted wrongly. Mm-hmm. Yes, by them, yep. right? I don't know that for certain, <clears throat> but they might be based on what is taught from their pulpit. Those phrases might be interpreted uh, wrongly, but they could be interpreted rightly. Sure. Because they're using biblical language. And that's just fascinating to me that, um, you know, you could, like, what's this song? We haven't done it at Res that Carrie Job and Furtick wrote recently, The Blessing. Yes. It's almost straight <laughs> scripture. Right. What they're, what they're seeing. You know, right. the, this whole thing about, may his favor be upon you to a thousand generations, you know. That could be interpreted. There's there's a there's a fork in the road there about how you might yep. interpret that, yep. and are you interpreting that biblically or not? I and, don't know. And then you can get in. Well, we'll leave it at lyrics. But then there's also is is there emotional manipulation involved in the structure of the song or overly repetitious? But but in terms of the actual scriptural nature of it, yeah, you're absolutely. Well, you right. and I might differ on that a little bit sure. in terms of you know emotionally repetitious music. You know, I think. I think I do see patterns in scripture where repetition 
um, can be useful. Right. Well, I mean, uh, no, I would uh, agree. Hebrew and, poetry and, and even, is, is even very useful much emotionally. in repetition. Huh? Right. Uh, right. Hebrew Hebrew poetry is very much grounded in in repetition. It is, and and, and I think and the emotion that goes along with that is, I mean, I think music is emotional and intentionally so. I think Absolutely. God God created yeah. music yeah. to be emotional. Uh, so you and I might have to have a discussion about that, but I I think that the that's a that's a classic example of based on what Furtick teaches. Right. I might raise questions about whether they wrote that with biblical thinking, but the fact yeah. of the matter is the song is biblical language. It's biblical yeah. content, and, and, I, I, and I it think can what, be sung rightly. I think what Cody's getting at is there is that it, the bridge piece in the song that's like, he is for you, he is for you. Is that what you're getting at with the repetition uh, yes. piece? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, um, my, and, that's my main thing with that yeah. song is yeah. um, like, like the verses and all, like, yeah, maybe may the lord bless yeah. you and keep you like may awesome. his face shine upon you and then then also yeah. if god is for us who can be against us right right but that's, that's, if, and that's yeah and there's nothing wrong with that either but it, I, I think where cody's going is the repetition of that part he is for you and right and then bradley could to be your interpreted point, wrongly and to your point what's in their mindset when they say it and, you know another example on this is the song that we used to close easter this year um was a stretch for us um we uh so we have a an intro video that runs every sunday um it's uh you know it's a it's a visual montage of things but it just visually starts a service it also includes a, a visual invocation and you and we rotate it every couple of years with a different song and right now it's the bridge to planet shakers prophesy and uh the the, the bridge is fantastic uh, I'll praise you uh, like I've never known defeat. I'll praise you uh, for every second. Uh, with every second, I believe, I'll praise you. Your power rests on me. I mean, there's very much biblical precedent for all of that. Now, in Easter, we used the whole song to close it off, and we took pro- the the actual word prophesy as not creating new revelation but restating that revolution that revelation that we already have given to us uh via god's word and it explanation wise it worked very well you know throughout lent we did the uh the we are he is uh, dichotomy series then we did we are mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. he did on easter is we are we are he is he did he will and that's where the prophesy piece came in is that we can be the voices crying out in the darkness saying he will return he will you know uh he will uh be your provision he will be your salvation and so that in the sense of of prophecy um not so much uh having our congregation members speak to the dry bones um but uh you know that was a stretch because i know the uh, the theological worldview that that Planet Shakers Church has, and so I knew when I was looking at these things, when they say authority, they're not saying the authority that that we have ipso facto access to through Scripture. They're saying the authority that we have to uh, to command things to be, name and claim. You know the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, yep. And so, thankfully, 
the song is dope. So it was fairly easy for me to get over that. Um, <laughs> but but num- nonetheless, you know, so I, I've been right there with you as well. You know, like, I don't want to over overplay this, but um, I'd love to ask Carrie Job and Furtick, what, what, what are you thinking when you put in a repetitive pr- phrase, he is for you, he's for you, he's for you, he's mm-hmm. for you? What are you thinking? Mm. I, I would bet that what both of them would say, you, you might get a little deeper answer from Furtick than you would Carrie Job, but I think that both of them would essentially say that God loves us. Mm-hmm. We're his children and God loves us, so he's for us. Um. Where it gets sticky is that the emphasis of of teaching from guys like Furtick mm-hmm. tends to lead people. It, it's not explicit. It, it's very implicit, uh, I think, with guys like him, that God's motivation is my intrinsic worth to him. Right. As opposed to when I would sing, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you, what I would be thinking is, for the sake of his own glory— Right. He has removed me from his wrath by grace through faith in Christ, mm-hmm. and now I am his child. That would be a way better bridge. <laughs> right? It, it would be, but, you know, like... Someone it, call the like, Gettys and have them write that. This is, where, this is where I think I make room for both poetic license and poetic interpretation. I think a mm-hmm. piece of artwork that hangs on a wall that is just beautiful and complex and layered is going to be interpreted by different people in different ways. You're going to have all different types of people come in and based on their bias, they're going to interpret that piece of artwork in different ways. And I think songs work the same way, particularly in the church, is that the interpretation of poetry set to music could go in a variety of different directions. And that's why I'm still on the stance of if we can sing it biblically, let's sing it. Let's not get overly hung up on who wrote it uh, and what they might be thinking because guys like Jeremy Riddle, I mean, this is, this is a great question. Um, is I like what you said, John, is that their, their time in the word in order to, you know, fuel the creative process of writing lyrics and stuff might actually be uh, keeping them at somewhat of a safe distance from the very teaching that they sit under all the time. Yeah. Maybe. Because mm-hmm. some of the songs that come out of these places, I'm just blown away at the, at yes. least the depth that I feel like I can sing with them. And, and I, I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine sitting in certain places maybe like Bethel or Elevation and hearing these incredible worship songs and then the teaching that follows like it would mm-hmm. almost feel like whiplash to me right yeah. it would be it would almost be downright reckless <laughs> I like it I like it well done on good that, job well done. on on that zinger uh so let's stay with the uh with the worship music uh vein Brad Speed asks, it feels like many modern worship songs focus on being delivered from fear or defeat rather than sin and wrath. Mm, yep. yep. Uh, and he, he says, thoughts as to why. We don't like to talk about sin and wrath. No. 
And we don't. I, yeah. I, I think ahead, the, the I think the depth of gospel understanding is lacking in the church. And I think that, yep. you know, I, I can't remember ever sitting through. I just taught through Romans, but I don't ever I don't I never sat through a teaching through Romans. I, we went mm-hmm. through part of Romans in college, but it, it just you don't. I don't think we we relish and celebrate the good news appropriately. And yep. the reason we don't, the reason our joy is not at the height and the pitch and the peak that it should be, is because we don't understand the bad news. Right. We don't yeah. think about the bad news ever, and I think that's a loss. You there know, was a uh, – uh, go ahead, John. Oh, I, I was going to say uh, – <laughs> Not to not to play my uh, my Lutheran card, um, but CFW Walther. Um, uh, one Man, of the, if you uh, if you if you lead your name with three initials, <laughs> you're Lutheran. Yeah, no joke about that. You're Lutheran. Um, yeah, Reverend Doctor CFW Walther. Uh, you know, PhD, MD, or MDiv, whatever. Masters of Sacred Theology. That's probably the coolest uh, um, degree that we, we offer at our LCMS schools, Masters of Sacred Theology. Anyway, CFW Walther, one of the, uh, the, the initial uh, expositors of this concept of the dichotomy of law and gospel and the balance thereof, um, goes exactly to, uh, to that point. Uh, without the bitterness of the law, the gospel loses its sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that that understanding has uh, now now Walther is 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 a is a is a modern ish contemporary. I mean, he was the first president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, or what it was called at that time, Missouri, Ohio, and other states. Uh, and so it wasn't all that long ago. Uh, but all throughout the Lutheran Confessions, and certainly all throughout Christendom, this concept exists. Uh, so it's by far, by no means a new thing. But that's, but if there's one concept that that really is is foundational uh, to Orthodox Protestantism, it is it is that dichotomy of law and gospel, and that yep. and where Walther, ipso facto, refined it is uh, is the proper distinction of those two things. Um, I forgot what the actual question was, if I'm honest. Uh, but um, why, why do we not have more songs that talk about uh, being yeah, saved from yeah. sin and wrath as opposed to more circumstantial realities? And 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 you were uh, hit the nail on the head. Is that we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to be shown our sin. Um, now, because it, it's contrary to the desires of our human nature. Um. You know, and and so I think what happens is we if we look at just the crazy number of songs that deal with uh, chains, captivity. Uh, uh, oh, geez, I'm I'm trying to think of of all the other of all the other words that are uh, um, that are used. Um, but. Uh, uh, fear, right? Um, sorry, Micah chimed in and said sin. We're talking about words that are not sin, but um, yeah, that's the problem. No one talks about sin anymore. Um, 
what we see when we see those words is we realize that those are a consequence of our sinfulness. We are not captive necessarily to fear. We are captive to sin. We are, I mean, we, we don't fear, uh, we don't fear the darkness. We fear the light, right? Um, and it, it's, it's just like a. It's just like taking a Tylenol when when you've severed your leg, right? You'll treat the <laughs> you'll treat the symptom, but you're not going to treat the condition. And you know, I, I think that that uh, intentional ignorance of of the condition of our sin is is probably what leads us down that road because everyone can relate to feeling fearful. Everyone can relate to feeling. Uh, captive, beat down. Um, I mean, even Audio Adrenaline Underdog from so many years ago, um, beat down, broken up. You know, uh, and there's just that Audio apprehension. To, yeah, I know. Right? Just went it's, super old school. I didn't think you were old, and I didn't think you were old enough to know about them. Bro, what? would you like me? Would you like me to acapella the entire first DC Talk album? Because I totally will. Uh, <laughs> rock on, man. <laughs> Heaven bound, baby. Um, but, but, but what so will people I, think when they I hear, love hear Jesus right. <laughs> what will people do when they find out it's true i don't really care i don't really care jesus freak um but you know one thing i heard uh and i'm not sure if it was on a podcast or if i read it or or something uh but it took a look at this same sort of state of, of CCM. And rather than saying, well, they're, they're ignoring our sinfulness, they twisted it or, or spun it in a way that was like, look at how many songs are being written speaking about hurting people. Those are the mm-hmm. people that are in your pews. Your people are hurting and that's why this music's so popular. That's why it keeps getting written this way is because people respond to understood to someone relating with them to, to music that is essentially singing their own hearts cry that I feel afraid that I feel uh, stuck and beat down and depressed uh, and, and, and onward and onward. Um, and unfortunately a, a catchy, a catchy song isn't isn't the the solution for that the solution for that is is christ and if you take the the whole uh catalog if you will of christian music well certainly you'll get uh you know you'll get the the musical version of of that of that pure gospel statement uh but yeah i i think it's twofold i think i think the reason we see so many is because people don't want to talk about sin because it's not radio friendly um, but at the same time, it's because people generally are hurting. And although the cause for that is, is our own self-inflicted sinfulness, uh, mm-hmm. that the fact remains that people are going to, uh, be attracted to that, which they relate to. Uh, and so that's kind of a sobering thought to end that question on. Uh, but I, I think it speaks volumes to, what is on the hearts and uh, in minds of, of those who we gather with or, yeah. or you know, yeah. The, uh, the white horse in, in their podcast feed has been 
re-airing, I guess you could say, uh, their old series, The Romans Revolution. And they they start out every episode asking uh, pastors at a pastor's conference, hey, what's imputation? Or what's justification? Mm. Or and, and basic theological stuff. And it was pretty alarming that, you know, what's that? You know, even for justification. And um, and then there was even one guy that said, yeah, my, my you know, I can talk about that, but my church isn't going to care. Uh, it was either imputation or justification. Like, that's a big deal. <laughs> and um, so, well, so we have so many people that just have no idea what the gospel is in the in the first place, where so many churches have just kind of said, yeah. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not the gospel. I, th- I think there's a fundamental problem in the church world particularly in America, is that we privilege the hearers over the truth. You know, we we, we do that in our preaching. Um, We do that in our songwriting. And I fight it. I I fight it every sermon I write. Oh, yeah. Is am I privileging the hearer or am I privileging the text? You know, Jesus tells the parable, Mark chapter 4 of the sower. And the sower is Jesus, and he's indiscriminately sowing seed. Mm-hmm. And the the seed that takes root and grows and bears fruit is not based on um, more care and intentionality for that type of soil as it is that he just scatters the seed indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. And the soil is, is what really... Um, allows the seed to take root and produce and what we know from the gospel is that only god can change the soil right Right. only god can do that that work and i think i I, I, we just got to get out of this mode and mindset of privileging the hearers uh if we're going to talk adequately about the gospel i think it's fascinating that paul says in romans 1 i'm not ashamed of the gospel yep that's just crazy language who who talks that way about the God, I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, we think oh, the gospel's great news. Why would you even use the word ashamed? It's because the next few verses he goes in to say, "For the wrath of God is being revealed." Yeah, like that's exact. That's where he goes the next verse. But I mean, at the same time, when we privilege the text over the felt needs of the hearer, we actually really privilege the hearer because they're he- hearing what they need to hear. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I- I'm not going to be dogmatic here when I say this. But that's why I don't think that topical preaching is – I don't think it should be the norm in our churches. I'm not saying that a topical – series, like when we – our elders started – decided we were going to teach through James mm-hmm. in the wake of this pandemic. Um, what we said was, let's start James – but if at any point, if this thing gets really, really bad, if it gets worse than it already is, or we see a specific need in our body, we're going to call an audible at any point and address yeah. that issue or topic, whether if we see a lot of people battling anxiety or economic distress, and we feel like, you know what, let's just speak to that. So that kind of topic oh, yeah. addressing kind of thing is good, but I think the norm should be verse by verse expository preaching because it, it it helps me stay out of that mode of privileging the hearer rather than the text yep yeah. so absolutely one Good more question sure jared hartley 
as we look forward to gathering in person again for church, uh, what are your thoughts on legal firearms uh, and concealed carry at church? I wear one on my hip while I'm preaching, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A big I would hold that against you. If somebody, if, somebody comes, gun. if somebody comes in the back, you got the best... <laughs> You got the best well, I, line I don't of understand. For it. I don't understand the connection. I just, like, I, hold on. I could just imagine Bradley standing there and back, uh, coming from the top. We just came from holding up a, a chrome plated, uh, you know, Colt <laughs> Navy, and be like, "This is the law," and then holding up scripture. This is the gospel. You know? I got two guns. Oh, you are other. weary. Come, and I will give thee rest, <laughs> one way or the other. Oh my God. I don't understand the connection between like we're coming back to church and we I, should bring or is he just stag talking in general? I, I think, think he's, he's asking talking the in question, general. but like I think yeah, I think he's just asking the question, but like we just don't aren't there right now. Um, so what's interesting in Nebraska, even with a CCW, that's a concealed carry uh, weapon permit, um, you technically, or I suppose it's not technically legally, you legally cannot. Air, air bunnies for the audio audience um legally cannot carry in a house in a place of worship uh it, it is one of the it is one of the restrictions um in nebraska not in nebraska okay. i don't know about other other states or municipalities but in nebraska it is in our our code now nebraska is very much a place that has been fighting for constitutional carry for a good long time and not many people are probably going to give a dang about what you're doing um, but I know that there are members of our congregation, um, who, uh, are very much gray men. Uh, if, if you're familiar with, uh, with that term, the, the person who doesn't stand out in a crowd, uh, that, uh, military backgrounds, tactical backgrounds, um, who, uh, who are, uh, who are protected. And yeah, we'll, we'll say that we also have, uh, some, some staff members, um, well, kind of, kind of staff ish members who are our security task force available there on, uh, uh, during our weekly worship services, um, that I'm sure are also protected. Um, you know, honestly, I, I fully support it. Uh, I mean, that's, that's my, that's my personal belief. And that's not based off of uh, responding to some of these videos that we've seen from active, active shooter situations in, in other places of worship throughout the United States. Um, it's uh, it's you know my understanding of of what our uh, you know what our, our rights and our freedoms are for that particular uh, uh, particular thing that particular subject, and uh, and also. Uh, if you carry, and I think this is wisdom for anyone who who carries uh, under concealment. If you carry, carry often. I mean, there's there's no point not to if you've gone through the training and the certification to be able to do that legally. So that's my that's my two piece. Mm. I agree with John. I mean, yep. <clears throat> I um, people in um, I, I'll put it this way: several people in our church have graciously and responsibly come to me uh or to one of our other pastors and notified us that they have a cpw um or cwp excuse me and cpw is our local 
uh, water and sewer place. Uh, <laughs> well, CW. They, they also have that. <laughs> they also have yeah. that. <laughs> they, they come and tell me that they they have that certification and that they are carrying and am I okay with that? They ask yeah. me and I appreciate that. And I always tell them yes. Um, our As many of our listeners probably know, our associate pastor here, Keith, was a police officer for 10 years. And he will tell you, uh, more good guys with guns is a good thing. Right. Um, yep. And because the bad guys are going to have guns. And I know that might get a little political um, and, and I don't want to do that. But I'm I am not opposed to people with the right certifications carrying in our services. Um, and, you know, nobody wears them on their hips in a holster. Uh, they are concealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think ideally there should be and we don't have this at res candidly, but I think there should be trained personnel on on site two nowadays um i think that's the better part of wisdom to help protect the congregation given you know things that have happened in recent years but um absolutely and and you know there there are many congregations that just don't have anybody or anybody internally to do that no resources to do that but i think one encouragement that i would give that uh actually includes changes that that we've made at at christ recently is uh, changing the numbers of entrances and exits that are open uh, during mm-hmm. not only yeah. the school day, because we have an attached uh, uh, Luther Day school, but also during the worship event, um, being able to control uh, the flow of people um, allows you to monitor the flow of people. And so even if, uh, even if you are of the, uh, the belief, opinion, what have you, um, that... Uh, uh, firearms, regardless of permit status, are should not be should not be in a house of worship. Please still, uh, you know, make uh, if you're at a position of leadership, you know, please make plans or or at the very least, uh, please lobby for those in leadership to make plans to ensure the safety of your congregations. I mean, that's uh, however that's done uh, is pretty much up to you, but um, it's it's something that is very much in line with our roles as shepherds and stewards of what God has blessed us with. You know, yeah. I don't think yeah. Johnny Pipes would agree with us. No, he wouldn't. No. He, he's allowed to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like in, in South Carolina, I think what those guys with the, with the CWPs were doing, I think that was actually um, legally required in mm. the state. Is if and, and I have oh, a, it may be I yeah is, is that you class. have to get some kind of approval from someone in charge. It's sure. kind of vague with the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a concealed weapons permit, but I don't carry at church. Uh, because I'm playing guitar, and that would be really uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. on top of that, Could I wouldn't be able to get just to the, it. the amount of sweat. Oh my gosh! I mean, because oh, like goodness. we work up a, a sweat when, well, at least I do when I play. But I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, uh, you know, a grande size individual. <laughs> Not a. I mean, I'm not like the the grande with with the large Coke and large uh, potato lays, but I'm you know I'm like the six pack and a pound sort of guy, um, <laughs> and but yeah, um, uh, yeah, you're you're spot on there. Plus, uh, you know, I play with wireless packs and everything. My pants are already holding on for dear life. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't need I don't need to add a seven pound Beretta to that particular loadout. Yeah, I'll tell you time. a funny story though. Um, the church that I worked in where the, the rival gang members came in. Yeah. We had a security team, albeit it was a small church and a small team. It was like two or three guys. Uh, but we're in Anderson, right? And so, you know, we got 
country boy's gone to town in oh, the yeah. church, right? And I showed up one Sunday, and one of the guys on the security team, he had on he had on this long trench coat, and <laughs> he had on a bulletproof vest. He had a forty-five on his hip, had a thirty-eight strapped to his ankle, had a sawed-off shotgun in his <laughs> uh, in his vehicle in the parking lot, and I, I mean, he might have had a grenade for all I know. I don't know, but he had his sunglasses on. He looked like like straight out of the Matrix or something. It was crazy. Well, I laughed at I'd, him. I'd bet you ten dollars he drove a white square-body Chevy pickup too. He absolutely did. <laughs> He absolutely did. <laughs> he did. Stereotype city right there. What, one of the great things about South Carolina's concealed carry law is it, as long as it's legal to own in the state and you can legally own the thing, as long as it's concealed, it doesn't yep. matter what it is. Yeah. So you, can, you can stick an entire shotgun down the leg of your pants and wobble around. So, so he you could know, have put that sawed-off shotgun underneath his trench coat, and he would have yep. been perfectly legal. Yep. Yeah, you know, Nebraska law also allows us um, for uh, – you can – we are an open carry state. Um, Omaha is the only municipality that has uh, – uh, restricted open carry that essentially means you know throw a rifle on your back throw a exposed 45 on a hip holster or a, a thigh holster you know do what you want um but if it is uh and the concealed carry permit comes into place when it is 100 percent concealed so hmm. theoretically if uh if you don't have a concealed carry permit but you are carrying and on security camera footage you can see the barrel or the the muzzle excuse me of uh of your sidearm poking out poking out underneath your jacket technically you're not carried concealed um you know it's 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 interesting you know governments are weird uh governments are weird yeah that's one of the big Uh, things here is is know your local laws and Mm. uh, and obviously i think this should go without without saying it however we obviously hope that no no one ever has to use those concealed firearms absolutely and uh you know because some some guys you know uh, some guys want to use them but they forget that they're also responsible for every round that leaves their guns yes yes so so if 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 you miss the guy that comes in guns blazing and you hit you know a single mom like you don't you don't one you don't want that on your conscience and two you don't want that on your record nope yep yep absolutely you know closing this out um we are and and this goes to the the legality of it this goes to uh the uh the recommendation uh not not even recommendation but uh, our personal uh feelings uh, uh in support of it uh, we are required uh, to be citizens of two kingdoms, this, the, the kingdom of the right, that is the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the left, which is the kingdom of the world. And we are, you know, we are to be tasked to be responsible and good stewards in each. And, uh, and with all decisions, especially ones like this, I think it's mindful that we weigh uh, our membership in each kingdom accordingly. Amen. Yep. yep. So follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five-star review and you can support the show at anchor.fm. You can donate money, help us improve, pledge, donate 10 bucks a month for a year. Get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2, a Glafuzz, or Pink Trouble Booster. And make sure you email me with your shipping address when you do because Anchor won't give me your contact information. 
Uh, John, let's do something with the position again this week, just because that's still a thing. Thanks for listening. I know I left you hanging yesterday with the announcement of the physician and no demo and, hey, we're doing this thing really quick. But uh, if you want more information about that and you haven't heard about that, then the uh, link to that is in the description. But here we go. The physician, just the guts, the circuit board showed up today and I threw one together and it sounds awesome. So just like the Chrysostom, I'm way too excited to wait for an enclosure. So I guess we can call this the God Looks at the Heart demos and other things I can take out of context. Uh, but anyway, based off of the Landgraf dynamic overdrive, which is then based off the Tube Screamer, all that good stuff. Uh, you, you can Google around and see what you want if you care, but let's get to uh, how this thing sounds. Running this Marshall DSL 20 head through an ISO 2 mic'd up with a Sennheiser E609. Also running the Hughes & Kettner Redbox 5 for those of you who record guitar at all, uh, blending those two. Sounds awesome. So here's the clean tone. It's not terribly clean, but it is a Marshall, but you'll see why we're doing this in just a second. And let's see about 10, 10.30 on the volume, almost minimized for the gain. Uh, tone is bumped up a little bit. So plenty of gain on tap. Let's see if it'll P-dubs. So it'll P-dubs, probably more of a second or third stage drive there. Let's go drive or gain or whatever we want to call it at noon. And let's see if it'll pop punk. Just crank the gain just for fun. And let's do a traditional metal tone since this is a Tube Screamer variant. So usually how that works out is you run an already dirty amp. So we'll just switch over to the Ultra Gain here. So here's that. So traditional metal tone will maximize the volume, just throttle that front end. We'll have lower gain, and then we'll leave the tone as it is. But usually with this, you'll have the tone rolled up, which is what we do have. And I can't talk either. <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. Link in the description, all that good stuff. You know what to do. Uh, support the cause. First 10 of these, 100% of the profits goes to supporting our doctors and nurses and keeping them stocked up on personal protective equipment. Again, more of that information is in the video uh, in the description. So, westmanstereffects.com. Thanks a lot.